Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Pat and John with the Cast Right Catholic Podcast. John, I want to I want to start with something that has been weighing on me, and it's something that I've just felt the need to bring up to you. Um, well, first, I should just ask, how is Audrey? She's amazing, and she learned how to scream. Wow. Well, that's awesome. Um, that's a big milestone. <laughs> so... Um, I'm glad here's, here's the issue, man. And it struck me when you and Emily and Audrey came over, uh, to our place a few weeks ago, your baby voice is disturbing. (laughs) I don't know if you, I feel like you should, you, it needs to be recorded and played back to you because it's like raspy and high pitched and it almost it sounds like like the ghost of a 12-year-old girl <laughs> that's terrifying i thought it sounded like josh turner <laughs> it like maybe if josh turner inhaled helium <laughs> and and then like was a zombie at the same time anyway i just don't want you to scare audrey and it it kind of scared me it was almost, it was also, there was like a little bit of Elmo. There was a lot yeah. of things going on with it. It was, anyway, you should know that. <laughs> it's now developing. that I talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that's honestly a fitting start. I don't know if you've ever seen the SNL skit where they talk about the different voices that people have. Like, oh, they're talking to their girlfriend or they're talking to like a, a little kid or they're talking to their boss at work and their voice like, or a guy talking to another guy, suddenly his voice gets deeper, all like, you know, out of nowhere. It's fitting because today we're going to talk about identity. And I think that sometimes we're always trying to present ourselves or make a voice or um, put on something that is how we wish to be or how we wish to seem. Um, but I also just think identity is is at the core of the gospel message that we're a new creation in Christ. The old man has died, was crucified with Christ, and the new man is risen with him. You know, it's um, our life is now hidden with Christ in God. And so um, I don't know. What do you what do you think, man? What are your initial thoughts on identity? Is that something you've struggled with? Is it something you've seen other people struggle with? How do people struggle with it? What do you think? Uh, I'd say it's the main thing that people struggle with every day. Um, and well, identity, at least if I was to go back to my childhood, I think of that, um, song center field, the baseball song, put me in coach. I'm ready to play. That line (laughs) was a great line for identity. Um, I remember especially, uh, playing baseball and being the closer and anytime I was sent to the bullpen and then the coach would give the wave, it was game time, and I had to go be the closer. And so oftentimes it felt good. And then I guess people people created an identity f- for me, uh, especially with, with the curveball that was my secret weapon where I would aim for the batter's head <laughs> and hope that it dropped in for a strike. And if it didn't, it was still effective because the batter had to get out of the way. <laughs> And then there was this one time where we played the worst team and I was brought in 
and we were up, I don't know, like in the teens with the amount of runs. And then I started giving up hits and those hits led to runs. And my ERA for that game was, I don't remember if, if, if you remember, but it was, it had to be like 20. I had an ERA <laughs> of 20 after that game. And so my identity was, wasn't quite what it was supposed to be after that. I actually do remember that. And then I think you, you tried to wrestle like the all state safety of our football team and broke your arm and like never played baseball again. Well, it it was, it was a perfect plan because then I got to go fishing every day after school <laughs> for, for the rest of my high school career and nothing beats catching fish. I, all joking aside, I actually think that story is really poignant um, because that is so often the way we end up living our lives is we develop a sort of reputation or a way we understand ourselves to be rece- received or seen by other people. And then if we embrace it because we really like that identity, we, re- we really like the way we're seen, then we spend every day trying to live up to that image of ourself um, that other people have or that we've created for ourselves. And then when something goes wrong, we, we suddenly feel lost. Or if that becomes identity, if that identity becomes upset or undercut or undermined in some way, we lose the sense of, of who we are. Like I thought I was in your story. I thought I was the great closer. I thought I was the, you know, the secret weapon curveball man. Um, but now I'm not so sure anymore. I mean, I'm still sure about it. It just, <laughs> the game, the game wasn't sure about what it wanted me to be. I I know what I am. I mean. All right. So you're, you're head and shoulders above the rest of us then. <laughs> but I mean, I know I, the reason it struck a chord, you know this because we've known each other for so long and you've heard me talk about it a bunch. But identity is so central to my own conversion story. And um, obviously we went to high school together. And in high school, everything was kind of just so for me. You know, it was, and I, I feel like I still remember it pretty well, but everything was, was exactly as I could have wanted it to be. And everything seemed to be going well. And I felt like other people liked me and I felt like I was good at stuff. And, um, I felt like I was succeeding. And then suddenly I went to college and all of the people who I'd grown up with, who had seen me in this particular way, were no longer around except for my roommate, but they were no longer around. And I, I felt like I, I needed to reprove to the people at college that I really was that person that I was in high school. And so I you know, played baseball in high school. I did like the tutoring thing with middle schoolers. I was a part of a Christian fellowship or a youth ministry or whatever. And so then I go to college and I join a Christian fellowship. I play club baseball and I start tutoring elementary school students through this program that I found out about because I'm, I was trying to recreate what I had in high school. And uh, the problem was I felt like I I wasn't succeeding. And so to me, it felt like, oh, you pull back the layers of reputation that have been built up over time. All of these uh, 
you know, ideas of who other people think I am that I've bought into and that I accept so deeply in myself. And I'm fortunate that those that identity was a relatively harmless one because it can it can be a really bad and um, and damaging self image that we can cultivate based on how other people see us as well. Um, and so when I was in college, people would you know they always say, "Be yourself, be yourself." I was like, I don't know how to be myself because I don't know who myself is anymore. How am I supposed to be someone I don't know? And um, by the grace of God, that that part of my life was parallel with my pursuit of what is true, which culminated in who is Jesus Christ. And, um, and in the most profound moment of my life, I remember sitting by a stream in Southwest Virginia and my Christian fellowship had gone on a retreat and I had all these questions, who is God? What is true? And who am I? You know, I'm surrounded by all these wonderful people at this, this retreat center in, in a beautiful mountainous part of Virginia. And yet I'm racked by anxiety. I feel socially awkward and I have no idea how to interact with anybody because I just have no concept of who I am. I felt totally lost within myself and I felt like I didn't have any anger in really anything or anyone. And so I'm sitting by the stream and I'm looking at how the this stream just unfolds into itself. And it was early spring and I see these flowers coming up by the banks of the stream. And I think to myself, wow, how effortlessly those things just become what they are. How effortlessly the stream just unravels into itself and the flower blossoms into its fullest, you know, being, the fullness of what it is by nature. And yet here I am and I feel like the only thing that's broken I feel like the only thing that doesn't know how to be who and what I am. And um, as you know, I'd, I had some interesting ideas about religion and about what is true. Um, and a lot of them demanded, there were philosophies I created that demanded I, I compromise the identity of Christ. And I was at that point in my life and I was just cr- crying out in a prayer, God, who am I? Who am I? And again, in the, in the most mysterious moment of my life, it was as if this voice, this inaudible voice that wasn't mine, was rising up within me and said, well, who do you say that I am? And all this preaching and reading and preaching I'd been hearing, reading I'd been doing, thinking I, and praying I had been going about for two years in college, came to a head, and I realized I had to make a decision about who I thought Jesus Christ was. And I said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And it was like this explosion within me. And that inaudible voice said, and you are my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. And I suddenly realized that the truth of who I am is an unrepeatably unique manifestation of God's love, that I meant to be a burst of his creativity, that I flowed from him and I reveal him in my personhood, that the the architecture of my being is crafted to uniquely unveil God in some way that um, I was created to do. And that the only way I could become that person was through relationship with this God who loved me into existence. 
that the only way to become this unique and creative explosion of God's love was through uh, constant conversation and interaction and response to that same love. Um, and so like, I was free after, <laughs> after that moment. I was free to interact with people in a new way that I wasn't capable of before because I was so focused on my on myself and trying to be like, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Um, I don't know if that, you know, I've, you've heard me tell that story before, but um, I don't know if anything jumps out at you about it this time. Yeah, no, I, I really like that story. Um, I think for me as well, um, it was a great moment when I realized that I'm absolutely nothing. Um, that was a huge <laughs> relief. And um, I don't know, an inspiring moment to just realize, especially um, in the later years of of education, you know, graduating uh, high school and going into college, because all you're taught is the next step for each grade. Like, make sure you get good grades, pass your tests, and then you then you do that, and then you repeat it, and you repeat it for like 17 years, and all you're taught is like, get good grades. So you can go get a job and do all these different things. And it's all about this education and grades, education and grades. It's so robotic. And that that is ultimately the thing that was probably stress most uh, is just learn, get good grades. And then it's like, okay, I did all that. I got all these fancy certs. I got a job and it doesn't really feel if, if that's what accomplish the mission feels like, then this mission is lame because <laughs> it's boring and, and it sucks. But luckily, prior to, um, like I guess, going to college, I really did realize that all of the things that I'd been taught, it was as if it was just robots that are days. Kind of like, um, I don't, what, what's that show, The Zombie the walking dead i felt like every advice i've always been given is just like people who are walking dead just, just they repeat the same line over and over and over again and there's just no variability with it it's just like do this this is your next step this is your next step and then i realized it was all pointless to a degree and that it meant nothing and then i and that i am i am nothing and that was really an amazing feeling to just not have to produce anything to just be nothing for a little bit and then uh, realizing that i don't have to go or do anything what i have to do is understand who god is and in doing that i'll understand who i am but i do that in the very place that i am i don't have to go anywhere i don't have to go on a mission a pilgrimage or nothing wherever i am at that moment like all of heaven and earth can be right there and, and understanding and just responding to, to who Jesus is and, and saying yes. And so from then on, my identity was definitely focused on, on Jesus, but your identity also changes as you change as well. So one thing right now I'm trying to figure out is, okay, obviously Jesus is, is the way. And my identity has to be there. But now what? Now I'm 
a father. You know, I've got a family and all these different things. So it's a constant, uh, it's a constant rock. It doesn't change, but at the same time, it changes all the time. And so mm. it's something I'm currently discerning and, and walking with. That's amazing, man. And um, when you were talking, it made me think of, I forget the context of this quote, but St. Catherine of Siena um, said that, I mean, it was like, this is the wellspring of her whole mission in life. Um, She said, I am the one who is not. And he is the one who is. And actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, I think that was that was maybe St. Catherine of Siena's question to Christ in one of her dialogues with him and, um, and his response to her about like, how do I, how do I live in your grace? How do I live out the truth of who you created me to be? Um, and I think it was Christ who responded to her that she needed to remember you're the one who is not, and I'm the one who is. And you, you talk about this nothingness before God, which at first can sound a little bit jarring. Um, because be like, I'm nothing. Like, what do you mean I'm nothing? Um, and and that's really the a key difference in Christianity is that it's not about self esteem. I gave a talk very similar to that testimony to um, a, a youth group once, and I remember afterwards the response was so much like, "Oh man, I really needed that boost of self esteem." <laughs> I was like, "No, <laughs> don't esteem yourself." Esteem Christ, and Christ will esteem you. It's that shifting from, oh, I need, I need to focus on creating myself, on maximizing myself, on determining what I want to do, what I want to be. And the question is, you've got you've to locate the question somewhere else, as you did. And it's to say, like, wait, um, who, who is God? I, of myself, I didn't create myself. I didn't create my own being. I didn't, I didn't do any of this. And so to answer the question of who am I, we have to, we have to turn from that temptation to kind of navel gaze and self-create to recognizing, um, to looking at Christ and recognizing in him the one who loved us into existence. And then we can receive from him the truth of who we are over time. And you, you talked about how it's constantly changing, but it's the same. And, uh, and that's because we, we're in the process of becoming. In this life, you know, where the psalmist says, blessed is the one whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Um, that there is a growth process that we have to live through. That we're in the, you know, we're on the way. We're people who are on the way. We're becoming who we are um, by grace, that through the grace of baptism, we're a new creation. And the rest of our life is the story of that new creation coming into the fullness of its being. It's the story of, I talked about that flower by the, um, you know, by the creek side where I had one of my major conversion moments of my life. And, um, you know, if that, if that flower had thoughts, and <laughs> we're constantly trying to figure out what it was it might start growing as a seed and be like oh i think i'm a sunflower and then you know break to the ground and be like actually i think i'm a rose and be constantly if it's if it constantly tries to set its course 
rather than just drinking in the sunlight, drinking in the nutrients from the soil, then it might halt or stunt its growth into the fullness of, of what it actually is as whatever, a lily. You know, it's, if we're going to become what we truly are, then um, we've got to focus on just drinking in the sunlight, just absorbing the nutrients, um, you know, taking in the life of God and letting that life become our life, um, which is a really hard thing because that's that death to self. The death to self is no, no longer giving our flesh or the world or the devil the authority of God in our life, but only the voice of Christ has that authority in our life. And that's a hard, long process of, of constant, constantly becoming who we are. But at the same time, we are who we are. And uh, in, the, in the New Testament, you'll hear the word spirit used a lot. And that really means person, like the, your personhood. Um, like St. Paul says, I, I pray that you'd be healed or, um, in spirit, soul, and body. And um, that spirit is our personhood that enter into the fullness of who we are. And um, la- last thing I'll, I'll toss out to you, um, and I'm mostly just the things you said were brought, brought all that to mind. Um, but I, I was also thinking about Peter in the gospel how um, when he has that uh, by Caesarea Philippi, that encounter with Christ where Christ says, who are the people saying that I am? Some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist. Who do you say that I am? You are Christ. Um, And then he says, and you are Peter. You are (laughs) Simon. You will now be called Peter. Uh, And upon this rock, I build my church. And at a, at a Bible study that I was a part of once, um, someone asked the question, when did Peter know that he had finally become the rock? Like, when did he really realize what it was that he was, um, you know, the rock upon which the church would be built? So I I throw that question out to you. When did Peter realize it? Uh, I would say when Christ told him who he was. And then I'd also say he probably reaffirmed it when he was, crucified upside down uh like the summit of his identity would almost like a flashback to as he's upside down dying on his cross he's probably flashing back to the point where christ is like you're the rock um so like as a reformation just like when he denied jesus and jesus reaffirmed him by asking him do you love me uh I would say those two points is when he, he knew he was the rock. Yeah, I think, I think that's, I think I agree with that completely. And I also want to emphasize, I mean, my viewpoint is that he didn't understand what it meant until the fullness of his life. And so, you know, sometimes we can, um, we can begin to think like, Oh, I've got it. Like, this is who I am. And then, we block the flow of grace in our life. And when grace begins to move us so that we can enter into deeper realms of the truth of our being, we can enter into the, a greater fullness of who we are called to be. We, we aren't open to it because we're clenching so hard on what we thought it was to be us. And 
I think the best example you were you were kind of hinting at it. The best example of that for me with Peter is when he denies Christ, and um, and in the gospel passage it says he was following him at a distance. He was following him at a distance, and then he he denied him the three times, and that always struck me because he can't stop following him. Peter is trying so hard to be a rock. He's trying so hard of his own willpower to be a rock. And so he keeps following him. All the other ones have scattered except for John, all the other uh, apostles. And yet Peter has to like of his own will just keeps following, keeps following, but he's relying on his own strength, trying to make himself what he thinks he's supposed to be. And then he falls the third time and Christ looks directly at him and then he weeps. And I think the, that weeping was the beginning of his understanding that I am the rock, not by my own capacity, but by grace. That I'm not the rock, you're the rock. And it's no longer I who live, but you who live in me. That that's the exchange that has to happen. That my own attempt, attempts to create who I want myself to be or who the world tells me to be have to be displaced by grace. And that displacement takes a lifetime. And so I think the rest of Peter's life, he's constantly grappling, struggling, going from one thing to the next, trying to understand what it is to be Peter. And it's only in the fullness of his life after he continuously is seeking the face of Christ that it's realized. And now who Peter is for the rest of us is a story. And that story is a great witness to the love of God. And so the truth of who we are is a parable of God's love for us that's you know unique to our story unique to the story of grace that is unraveling in our life mm -hmm. and um i guess that's struck me recently and, and you mentioned that you're in the process of discerning things and the way it struck me recently is i have this question of who am i when i can no longer do the things that i do right like i get it in my head of oh i the, who I am is the one who writes things, who I am is the lawyer, who I am is the father, who I am is the son, who I am is the, the guy who likes to talk about God a lot, who I am is the person who reads a bunch of books and is able to talk about them, the, like who I am is the, the wise one, the, who I am is the gentle one, who I am is, and I'm constantly trying to grasp at these things that I do, and then I have these seasons where I can't do them any longer, and at some point in my life, I'm going to be, and maybe it's not that far off. Who knows what's going to happen? I won't be able to do any of the things that I'm used to doing. I won't be able to, you know, maybe I'll lose my voice. Maybe I'll get throat cancer. Who knows? And I won't be able to preach the gospel. Maybe I'll go blind and I won't be able to read. Maybe I'll lose the capacity to write. Who am I when I can no longer do the things that I do? Who am I when... I reached that point, you know, my dad's retiring. And I wonder if he ever asked himself that question. Who am I when I'm no longer doing these things? And um, I don't know if you've ever had a dialogue with yourself like that, but I know that's kind of where I am in my life is who am I when I no longer can do the things that I do or have always done? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And it made me think of a, a thought that I had a while ago. And that is that we have to remember that God is an artist and that we 
are part of his junkyard and he's constantly repurposing things and forming new things out of things that already exist. So Peter may be the rock, but the rock can mean many things, right? A rock uh, on the coast will eventually turn to sand and that can serve to create a beach. Or maybe that rock was meant for a slingshot to take down Goliath. Or, you know, if you look at a junkyard, there, there's a bunch of cars there. Maybe there's an old Mustang and in your, and God's purpose for you is actually to rust out because maybe he wanted to repurpose that and keep it as is. But another car, he, he wants to use a scrap metal and, and then turn that into a beautiful piece of artwork statue or, or any and all different things. You know, maybe at once you were a tire because you were meant to lift heavy loads up and down the highway, but then you got repurposed into a, a swing on an oak tree that a little kid is going to swing on and, and have fun on. And the point is we are, we have identity and we have many different identities throughout the course of our life, but God is the artist and God is the one who repurposes what we think we are into something new that he says we are. And so I think we have to discern each phase of that, um, each phase of, of ourselves in, in the junkyard as God repurposes us and, and polishes us into something uh, worth making and into his art gallery um, each and every day of our lives because we we don't know what we're going to be but if we present ourselves to him he can always make something with that and I, I think that's the key to identity yeah you are the rocker you are a car or you are a tire it doesn't mean you know what you're going to be used for it just means you you have a part of it yeah that was actually i think that was a really profound metaphor um it's something I'm definitely gonna gonna be chewing on um, personally. I think that one thing I might add is that we can't identify ourselves by our function. We can't identify ourselves by um, our desires. We can't identify ourselves by most of the things that we ordinarily identify ourselves by. Um, it was. I was kayaking with a young man recently who um, who was a member of the youth ministry that that I helped out with a few years ago, and uh, and we were just kind of catching up. And he asked me a question: um, that "What would I tell my freshman self now? You know what what would I say to to me as a freshman um, in high school?" And, Part of me was like, oh man, I've changed so much since then that what I would say probably wouldn't make much sense to my freshman self. Um, but that I mentioned it would have to be something about identity. And what it would probably come down to is um, who you are when you're alone with God is who you really are. That we're constantly identifying ourselves by the world around us, by the things we do, the things we feel, the things we think, the things we desire. But the truth of who we are, who we really are, is who we are when we're alone with God. That in that intimacy, which is a, it's a journey to that place in itself, you know, the journey to, to growing intimacy with Christ. But that the truth of who we are emerges from that intimacy with God. That we, you know, we experience it as constantly being repurposed. And he experiences it as the growth of, you know, 
a flower into full blossom, the growth of a tree into full stature, becoming truly who we are to him in the fullness of the time of our life. And so remembering like to, to not be constantly hanging our identity on one of those other things, but returning to that intimacy with Christ, learning to just sit in front of him, as you said, to be nothing, to be still before him and then gaze into his eyes and realize that like who he sees when he looks back is who we really are. And that's a great mystery that, um, that is a secret hidden inside the heart of God, you know, and you talked to, I'll close with this. You talked about an artist and, um, something I told that, that young man when we were kayaking was if you go to an art gallery and there's uh, a beautiful, you know, picture hanging up and two people are staying there talking about it. And, uh, one says, what do you think it is? And the other says, what do you think it is? And, they're talking back and forth and one of them says, I don't really like it. I don't think it's a good portrayal of this. The only one who can really fully, truly tell you what it is, is the one who created it. And so unless the artist is present and unless those two people looking at the painting seek to understand that painting through the artist, um, then they're never going to arrive at a true knowledge of, of what it is. And the same thing applies to ourselves. If we're the painting, the only way we can, understand the truth of what we are is to realize that our being our life you know it's our life is hidden with christ in god and we've got to go find it by finding christ because our life is a mystery hidden inside the heart of god the truth of who we are is is a secret that was held in god's heart that he whispered into the intimacy of two people at the moment that we were conceived um and that that mystery is constantly unfolding in our lives. And we have to remember that as we go through the world and we're berated with so many things, and we berate ourselves and we have different experiences. And is that return to that place of stillness and intimacy before God and allow him over time to grow you and mature you and remain constantly open and docile to the ways in which he's sculpting your interior and your circumstances so that in the fullness of your life, um, your life will be a true witness, a unique witness to the love of God that only you can be. Amen. Amen. All right, man. This was great. Thanks for hopping on. Hope everybody uh, got something out of it. And until next time, this has been the Cast Right Catholic Podcast. <laughs>